Interstate Batteries offers a wide variety of batteries for your everyday needs. Stop into one of their thousands of retail locations and talk with a battery specialist about batteries for your truck, trail cameras, and even those weird batteries for your rangefinder. Interstate Batteries even offers cell phone repair in certain locations. For more information, visit interstatebatteries.com. Interstate Batteries, outrageously dependable. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Anything But Deer Hunting series right here on the Sportsman's uh, Empire, right here on the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying your march thus far. I went on a shed hunt. I found zero sheds, so there's that. I drove two and a half hours to get to this farm. I shed hunted it. I turned around, and I drove two and a half hours back. And I found zero sheds, so it's pretty, it, it's, the drive there is full of excitement because you you have this feeling of, hey man, I know I'm going to find sheds when I get into this, this little piece of timber or this little CRP strip or whatever. And then what happens is you don't find those sheds in, in that place because uh, I, for one reason or another, I'm not really sure. And the drive home after that really sucks. And, and so I, uh, I put the pedal to the metal. I put on my favorite positive jams and I made it home. So shed hunting. And I don't, I don't think I'm even going to be able to go again this year just because of the schedule. I might be able to go out this coming Friday, but I doubt it. Um, just cause of work and kids and life. And it is also spring break. So unless I'm taking kids with me or family with me, you know, I, I probably won't be able to go. And when the invitation, it sounds something like this. Hey, who wants to go walk through a whole bunch of thorns and look for deer antlers? Who's down? Y- yes, you're going to get wet. Yes, you're going to get st- stuck with thorns. Yes, those thorns and cockabirds will stick to your clothes and more than likely you'll never get them off. Yes, you'll probably get scratches on your face and your arms. And so, and so that's not very appealing, especially on some the the only other farm I really care to shed hunt. There is some field edge, but that takes like five to ten minutes to walk. And uh, although I've found good sheds there in the past, it just hasn't been the same. So shed hunting season was really three hours long this year, and uh, uh, I don't know. I just I wish I I wish I had more ground to hunt. You know, back in the day, I used to shed hunt all the time. And since that, you know, back in the day is back in the day, uh, I've lost all those properties and, you know, they've been uh, sold and, and purchased and changed hands. And, and really what, what that is, is uh, that's a big no-no for me to go shed hunting uh, anymore. And public land gets pounded. So that leaves me with the farms that I have access to hunt and there's no deer on them during the wintertime. So, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, what else we got going on? Today's a really good episode, man. I'm going to tell you, uh, we got Nate Thomas from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast on today, and he is going to talk about his second favorite thing to do, or really close to first. It's deer hunting, and then it's coyote hunting. Uh, maybe a little predator hunting if you want to, you know, if he calls in some bobcats or things like that. But he's a fan of coyote hunting. And so today he talks about the learning curve. He talks about the barriers to entry. He talks about the financial uh, cost of being a coyote hunter. He talks about a little strategy and then overall why he loves coyote hunting and why he loves the coyote in general. So it's a really good episode. I know you guys are going to enjoy it. Before we get into today's episode, though, we got to talk about the sponsors. I moved the sheet, so there it is. All right, so I know we're not talking about deer hunting, but really we're thinking about deer hunting this this type of year. So if you're looking for a saddle, look no further than Tethered. Tethered is an amazing company with amazing people that work there, and they have some of the best saddle hunting saddles, climbing sticks, 
saddle hunting accessories, you name it. If it has to do with a saddle, they have it. And also their catalog of knowledge is really impressive as well. If you want to learn how to become a better saddle hunter, Tethered has what you need. So go to uh, Tethered's website, take a look at all the educational stuff they have to offer, all of the products that they have to offer, and get on your way to, to becoming a saddle hunter just like myself. So uh, Tethered's tethered's the place to be they've they've created a huge community so go check that out next on the list the seek and destroy broadhead of 2023 wasp broadheads and you guys know i love wasp you know i love the people that work there Uh, they are definitely a broadhead that, that is designed to do one thing and that is to destroy whatever it hits and so I have had nothing but success over the years with Wasp. Uh, most of their heads are still made in America. Awesome design. And uh, that's why I trust them, man, is because I have lost very, very few deer. I think with all my time using Wasp, heart, arch, uh, wasp broadheads, maybe two deer. I've lost maybe two deer and couldn't find them. And so... That's a, that's a pretty good track record with the amount of deer that I've, that I've shot. So, Hunt Stand is next. Oh, wait. Wasp. NFC20 gets you 20% off. Go check out Wasp. And then, what else we got? Uh, Hunt Stand. Hunt Stand, if you're looking to become a better hunter strictly through knowledge, um, the, the way to do that is stay in the game stay thinking about the properties that you have to hunt stay thinking about access routes stand placement stay thinking about uh, north facing slopes where deer bed edge things like that and you can do that by staying active on hunt stand you know that's just half the functionality that's just really is that's the bare minimum of uh, the functionality that hunt stand offers uh, so go check out hunt stand read up huntstand.com read up on all the functionality as well as um, their pro whitetail platform so if you are a serious serious bow hunter a serious whitetail hunter a serious deer hunter in general that pro whitetail platform has got a lot to offer so go check that out next on the list vortex optics and um again man if you're looking for a rifle scope a red dot uh, uh, a tripod for your spotting scope or uh, for your binoculars uh, any type of optic accessory whether that's for your firearm or just to wear around your chest or you know try to uh, spot up some game Vortex Optics is the optics for you, man. I beat the piss out of them, and they really do not fail. And and I'm really hard on my equipment, and I'm hard on my equipment, number one, that's because that's just how I am. And number two, I know that, especially with my optics, I can take advantage of their VIP warranty, and that allows me to send it back into them if it's ever damaged. They fix it for free, and then they send it back to me. So... Uh, go check out vortexoptics.com and read up about their VIP warranty. Got a new a new partner coming January uh, no, uh, January November. What does it say here? Okay, I got a new partner coming in July. So I, I uh, there's going to be some more information coming there. And then also two percent for conservation. If you in fact are looking to give back in 2023, please go visit this website fishandwildlife.org and learn how you can start getting certified to, to be a better conservationist. Uh, so fishandwildlife.org, go check that out. And now, without further ado, let's get into today's Anything But Deer Hunting series with my man, Nate Thomas. Three, two, one. All right, on the phone with me today from the Missouri Woods and Water podcast, Nate Thomas. Nate, what's up, man? Nothing. Well, how are you guys doing up there in Iowa? We're doing pretty good. I am, uh, I'm looking to get out and do some shed hunting, but yesterday, uh, I, I went to the doctor, um, I, Tuesday, okay. Tuesday of this week, I was doing some deadlifts and all of a sudden my knee started hurting really bad to the point where I can't even walk upstairs anymore. I have to do the one leg shuffle up the stair. And so I went to a doctor yesterday and we took some x-rays and, it's not reassuring when the doctor says a couple things. He's like, boy, this knee is garbage. <laughs> that, and then he goes, 
you know, usually we try to wait until 60 for a knee replacement. And here I'm 42. And he's like, well, I would say that you might need one. And so, <laughs> and so I got a, one of those steroid shots in my knee and hopefully that yep. helps. Uh, and, uh, uh, it should, man. Yeah. I'm in the same boat as you. I, I've had four knee surgeries on my left knee and, uh, I'm in the same boat. It's just straight garbage. There's, you know, arthritis all throughout the knee yep, just because of it. And, uh, I go, I actually go get a, a cortisone shot every six months in that knee and yeah. it helps. I'm just trying to make it to like 55. Yeah. Yeah. And so <laughs> uh, the, the doctor, yeah, the doctor told me, he's like, Hey man, uh, I am under the impression that you might as well live a really good, healthy life while you're younger and then just go through another knee surgery at 70 because that's about the time when most people get them anyway. Your knee is junk and you might as well go live with a good knee. So I'm going to see uh, what the the shot, how that shot feels in a couple days because he said it could take a couple days for it to kick in. But yeah. once it kicks in, I'll have a better idea of how it feels and uh, if, you know, if it's, something that keeps coming back really quickly. I think I might just go ahead and get the knee replacement, man, and then take the the six months to rehab it. And then, you know, or like I said on the uh, a different podcast, wait for Elon Musk to come out with robot legs and I'll just remove my own legs and put robot legs in. I still don't get why having as many knee surgeries as I've had, and it sounds like you've had too. Yeah. They can take a ACL mm-hmm. off of a dead person and put it into your knee, mm-hmm. but they can't figure out how to replace the cartilage around inside your knee, you right. know, your meniscus and, and all those, because that's what's causing me problems now that I'm getting a little older is yeah. the cartilage that I don't have anymore. The bone spurs. Yeah. Yeah. All that stuff. I'm just, I can't figure out why science can't figure out how to replace that cartilage. You know what I'm saying? So. Well, we all know that uh, healthcare is all about treating the symptoms and not curing the problem. And there so, you go. Yep. and so that's how they make their money anyway. Yes. <laughs> anyway, uh, you good, you, you good, man. Good life. Happy family. Yeah. Busy, busy life. Yeah. We're doing all kinds of stuff this weekend, but, um, uh, everything's good down here other than the weather today, but yeah, well, you got some rain. Yeah. It's raining its ass off. And we're actually, uh, myself, Micah and Andy are going down about an hour and a half South of us. And we're doing the, uh, the first ever coyote hunt for the Missouri disabled sportsmen. Hmm. Um, so we're taking three mobility impaired individuals on, uh, the first ever coyote hunt for them. Yeah. Uh, along with some other people that are volunteering and uh, it's raining its ass off today. So yeah. hoping it stops here soon. Well, most of those guys are tough anyway. And if they, uh, if they're like strapped into a wheelchair or some kind, or they have to use crutches to walk they're those are the type of people, if they want to get out, they, they, they'll go in any type of weather and they'll tough it out because I mean, shit, they're tough already from having to live the way they live. Yeah, and they've got these, I don't know if you've ever seen them, but these, they call them track chairs. Oh, yeah, I've seen them. And um, from what, you know, our, our contact at MDS has said, they can go anywhere, mm-hmm. you know, no matter how muddy or nasty it is. Um, and so the I'm not worried about the mud and all that. I just, I'm worried about the quality of coyote hunting. So yeah. if it's raining, the coyotes aren't going to want to mess around. And Yeah. Um, so I'm hoping it stops so they can have an enjoyable experience more than anything. But. Yeah. Hey, one second. I got my dumb ass forgot to shut off my space heater. Give me one sec. Yeah, you're good. And that's uh, that kind of that kind of is the perfect transition into what we're going to talk about today. And so this uh, this series, and I've mentioned this before, is the anything but deer hunting series. And what I want to accomplish in this conversation is a conversation about things out to do outside of deer season, uh, not necessarily outside of the the dates. You can do them in the dates uh, as well. But um, I kind of want to go back all the way to the earliest uh, that you can remember of you being interested in predator hunting? Well, I think to, to be able to tell you that story, I want to go back to my last deer season and really, really 
get into that deer that I was after. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're gonna, I'm going to flip the script on you. We're going to talk about deer hunting strategy today. <laughs> Anything but deer. I want to talk about deer, damn it. No. Um, oh, it's, it's been long enough. I'd say probably five, six years ago, somewhere in there. Okay. So fairly recently. Uh, it, yeah, it's not. I mean, we haven't been doing it for two decades. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just one of them deals where, you know, deer season would, would end and winter would set in. And about this time of year, you're just like, oh, I wish, you know, I wish it would hurry up and get to spring so we could put cameras out or start doing stuff. And yeah, there was this, this dead space and none of us, you know, waterfowl hunt. We don't duck hunt or goose hunt. And so we're like, what is there to do? Mm-hmm. And Andy and Micah kind of did it before I did uh, within a few months, but I don't know. It was just like, Hey, here's a call. My brother has, he let us borrow it. Let's go out and hunt some coyotes. And I think, I think the first time I went, we're sitting there and all of a sudden there's this freaking coyote, like 30 yards away from us. Yeah. And the feeling it gave me was something so totally different than the feeling I get from deer and elk hunting that it, it automatically it just immediately hooked me yeah. like oh this is this is fun you know was and, it was it the calling them in and having them respond to like a, a distress call or was it just simply like just being close to them it was it was the fact that when when you're hunting a deer you know you're setting up to i guess ambush them right right that's the, that's the idea you don't right. want them to know you're there until you shoot them right or even after well, with the with the coyote, it's just interesting because you're attempting to make a predator come to you. Yeah. Whether that's to, to eat what you're attempting to be or to fight what you're attempting to be, you're you're trying to make a predator come hurt what you're you're pretending to be. Right. And it's just really cool. And then when you see them, you know you know they're they they know that something's going on up there. There's no question. Yeah. And so it's a it's a it's a multitude of things you're getting a predator to come in and you're tricking them um and it's just really cool to see them i guess hunt or be themselves yeah until until hopefully you shoot them right so it it, like i said it's just like so people have asked me what i like more and i always answer deer hunting just because it's my first love Mm -hmm. but i can't it's hard to even compare the two honestly because they're not even similar at all yeah yeah and so th- you said about what, five years ago is when, when this experience, somewhere in there. yeah, somewhere in there yeah. f- about five years ago. And so when you had that first experience, was it just, was it hardcore from that point on? Pretty much. Okay. Yeah. All right. It turned into, I'm going to go buy a call. Uh, I want a new rifle. I want to do this. Uh, you know, just, just like with any hobby, Yeah. it can, you can spend money on it. Right. And yeah, it, it turned into a addiction. I guess you'd call it pretty, pretty quickly. Okay. So let's talk about that. Uh, I want to talk about, uh, what, what the learning curve looked like for you. Uh, and you know, is this something you do with a group of people or do you go out and do this by yourself? I almost never hunt by myself. I okay. have. Yeah. Um, but that's one thing about coyote hunting. I think that once again is so totally different than deer hunting. I almost never deer hunt with other people other than maybe my sons, mm-hmm. right? Like I just, I don't film, so I don't have a, a film guy with yeah, me or anything here. like that. So I'm almost always by myself or with my sons. Well, in coyote hunting, you're almost, I'm almost always with at least one other hunter. Yeah. Sometimes two, sometimes there's four of us. Yeah. Um, Is that strategy and, based? Yeah, kind of, because, um, you know, let's say, let's say you got three guys, you're going to have one guy calling and he's, he's going to be a shooter too, most likely, but, yep. and then you're going to have two guys, you know, shooting, let's say, well, if you get a triple come in or a quad come in, it's a lot harder to kill a quad with one dude, one rifle. Yeah. Um, so there's strategy to it and there's more eyes because, you know, those things can be pretty slick and sometimes you don't notice them. Um, and yeah, so I think there's strategy to it and then just, it's, it's, it's a, it's a sport that's more fun with people. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's fun. You can do it by yourself and I've done it and it's, it's enjoyable, but it's just different 
you know, by yourself. I, I like doing it with, with other hunters. Right. So talk to me a little bit about the, the learning curve then. Um, where do you, where do where did you make your mistakes? How did you, I guess, learn to be in effect from, from that point, you know, where that you had that aha moment. I love coyote hunting to, you know, where you felt comfortable in your setups. Talk to us about that learning curve and what it looked like. I'm still learning because yeah. I'm, I'm relatively new, I guess you'd call it. But from a calling perspective, I don't feel like I'm great still. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, I feel like I can call a coyote in, right? But it doesn't really matter. Like people, people really worry about what sounds you're using, how, you know, how you're calling. I don't think any of that shit really matters, man. If you're going to be in the woods that day and that coyote is callable, they're callable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you could probably not do a good job. I mean, be bad at it. And there's certain things I've learned, but what I've learned over the past, let's say five or six years, however long it's been, you are never, ever, ever going to trick a coyote's nose. Yeah. Never. Yeah. You think, you think deer can smell. Wait until you get around a coyote. Oh man. And I don't know. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm sure you've seen it before. You know, with a whitetail coming through the woods, they all go, and then they they look around, and then they're just like, "What what happened? What is that thing?" And then they may just kind of go back because there's no initial threat. They can smell you, but they haven't seen right. you yet. They haven't heard you yet. And so I feel like a whitetail is a one of those animals where it takes at least not all the time because in some high pressure situations they know they smell you, you're gone. But it may take checking off two of the senses in, you know, for a threat. But when a coyote comes through, what I've seen in the past is gone and they don't wait, they don't wait around. They may run a hundred yards and then turn around and kind of look back, but usually they're just adios. Yeah. And so I think the biggest thing I've learned is this on my setups, I've gotten to where I, I will try two and it doesn't always work mm-hmm. but i will try to set up where i can see my downwind still yeah because if if you hunted coyotes long enough smart coyotes will circle the call so you know the idea would be they're circling and if you catch them before they catch your wind you can still kill them it's kind of like with deer hunting when we talk about cutting them yep like Yep. If it's right before they bust you that you can get them killed. Gotcha. It's kind of, it's kind of similar with the coyote. Like I want to cover my downwind because there's a decent chance that they're going to swing through and try to catch whatever the smell, what they're, they're hearing yeah. prior to coming in. And then you won't even know they were there because they'll be gone. Right. So it's almost like you want the wind to your back and then you try to catch them coming in from the right or left. No, no. It's, okay. it's, I, I, a perfect win. I would love to be able to have it right in my face and I'm going to see him coming from, you know, from nine, nine o'clock to three o'clock, right? Like yeah. a perfect setup, but yep. those are never, those never happen. Gotcha. So it might be coming, you know, across my, my right side and going back that way. So if I can set up in a fence row where I can see the left side, because the wind's coming that direction, yep. I'll catch them circling potentially out this way before I lose them. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes they come straight in and you don't have to worry about it, but, um, those are usually younger coyotes who haven't been called before or, or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's, it's sort of like if, if you, you know, try to get off their bed and you're just, you're trying to catch them J hooking into their bed Mm -hmm. as a, as a, as a, as a white tail, um, sort of like that kind of. Okay. And so, uh, what would you say are some of the biggest mistakes that you've made in predator hunting that have you know, once you fixed them you got better shooting yeah if you're not a good shot you're not going to kill coyotes because they don't have they're not a very big target right and um when i first started obviously i just had a gun and so i just used it and then i got better glass and then i got a better trigger uh, and then a suppressor i mean there's all these other things that yeah. help you become a better shooter and when you feel confident in the ability to shoot a coyote, you become a killer much quicker. Gotcha. Um, 
when you just go hunting, I mean, yeah, you can shoot a coyote and people do it, but there's a difference between I can do it and I know I'm going to kill it. Yeah. There's, yeah. there's a difference in my opinion and, and getting behind a trigger. I mean, I've had to practice just like we do with our bows and whitetail. Yeah. Yeah. Go out and shoot. And so as you, you know, as so obviously shooting is very important because if you're going to hunt, you have to have a gun or, you know, I mean, you could try it with a bow, I guess, but I think that would be pretty difficult. Yeah. I've killed some of the bow, but it was while I was deer hunting. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> and so from, from a strictly uh, predator hunting standpoint, um, are there any type of calls or decoys that you would recommend for a novice or someone that's like, you know what? I got plenty of coyotes where I live. I might as well go out and if nothing else, help the deer herd survive or the small game or turkeys or whatever you, you know, whatever you want to save, um, remove some of these predators from the landscape. How do you like, are there any additional, I want, I don't want to talk about guns yet, but I want to talk about the other tools that someone might want to consider as a, as a novice. The easiest thing is um, you can go to any Bass Pro, Shields, Academy, whatever, mm-hmm. um, whatever sporting places around you, and you can buy an e-collar, what's called an e-collar. There is several, several brands out there. There's Fox Pro, Lucky Duck, Icotech, uh, Primos might even make one. So there's, there's several brands out there that you can buy, and it's an electronic collar. It's yeah. a, basically a speaker and a remote, and... You don't have to like be the most polished caller in the world. Set the damn thing out and start using it. Yeah. And um, that's and then a lot of them will come with, or you can buy what's called a decoy, and it's just this stake you stick in the ground that has a little rabbit tail or a, looks like a woodpecker, um, and it just sits there and spins. Um, you don't need those. I don't use decoys ninety percent of the time. Um, some people also use coyote decoys, which I have never used. Um, I could see where they would be cool. It's kind of yeah. like with using a decoy, a deer decoy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, honestly, you can go to Bass Pro, spend 200 bucks on a basic e-collar and, and go hunt. Yeah. That's all you need. Yeah. You don't need any more. Yeah. And a gun, obviously. Do you ever hunt over bait like, uh, like a deer carcass or another dead coyote or something like that? Um, not like... I've never baited coyotes. Gotcha. But it, let's say the farmer said, "Hey, we had a cow die. Uh, we actually, um, we had a depredation tag, which is I won't get into the specifics, but it's hunting with thermals outside of thermal season because of depredation. Yeah. So you get a special tag from the conservation. So the, co- department. the coyote was the coyote is problems. causing problems. Yeah. Yeah. So they had a dead cow, and so we knew there was the dead cow. So we checked that dead cow but i've never like specifically sat over a dead carcass yeah and just like waited for coyotes to come in gotcha. i might sit in that area because it's likely that they're there eating yeah or they've been there chilling because there's a free food and then i'll call them but i've never sat there and said hey i'm gonna wait for coyotes to walk by and come eat gotcha. uh, this one so gotcha. i think some people do but um you know i just i haven't yeah all right and so then uh, you know, you talked about those tools. Are there any, and before we get into guns, are there any other barriers to entry? Because I was talking to Chris Powell on the Houndsman XP podcast and he's, and, and they have a dog, right? They, yeah. they have dogs they have to keep alive in order to go predator hunting with do- hounds or, or coon hunting and things like that. They have to keep the dog alive. They got to feed it. They need shots. They need to train it. Uh, on top of that, the, he's, he goes into like, if you want to take really t- truly take care of your dogs you need to have certain types of collars gps blah blah blah. so the barrier to entry into doing it well is much hot is really high where where is the barrier of entry for someone who wants to uh, become a coyote hunter or a, a predator hunter the barrier to entry and i think this is why coyote hunting is becoming popular is pretty damn low right you you need a collar and a gun yeah now now there are things that can make it better and make you more successful, but they're not necessary for you to go hunting. Right. What are the, you don't have to have a tripod. Okay. You don't have to have other things. So basically an e-collar and a gun and you can go hunt. Gotcha. What, uh, what times a year 
I know you're you're out of Missouri, so just use Missouri. Uh, what are the dates you can legally hunt uh, coyotes or bobcats or whatever in Missouri? In Missouri, you can hunt a coyote almost all year long um, during the day. Yep. Now during the night's a different uh, different story, and you can technically hunt a coyote during the night all year long too. You just can't use lights or thermals. Mm-hmm. You have to use natural moonlight, which is crazy to me. I don't know yeah. who would just go hunting in the dark. That's a crazy um, rule, right? You well, would, like it's, that's it's not from a safe. safety. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think that's a I think that's a coyote. <laughs> I think that's a bad idea. Um, but so you can essentially hunt a coyote in Missouri all year long. There's mm-hmm. a, a window during uh, turkey season um that technically you're not supposed to hunt them then either yeah um so and we don't i don't think a lot of people follow that rule but i i follow the rules so there's and it's coming up um either at the end of march or april i can't remember for like 10 days where you can't you can't hunt them during the daytime hours either yeah um it's during the hatch or you know when when the turkeys are so anyways uh at nighttime in missouri you can hunt with artificial light or thermals from uh, February 1st through March 31st. So okay. about a two month season. Yep. And bobcats are a little different. Bobcats you have um, sometime around November 15th through February 31st to hunt them. Okay. Only during the day. They're not legal at night um, during night season. Uh, so bobcats, foxes are a little bit different than coyotes, but coyotes essentially they're free game yeah gotcha during the day most of the year and so um is there because i i know you you hunt during the summertime as well yeah uh, for these animals uh is there a time of year that you would prefer or is there a time of year that makes them more killable sometimes like i think summer might be the best time actually the only thing that so they have their pups Mm -hmm. okay um first couple weeks the pups don't get out of the den okay then they get out of the den and they move around a little bit and, you know, just maybe a couple yards away from the den. Mm-hmm. Then they get out and they start getting themselves into trouble. Okay. When pups are old enough to start getting themselves into trouble, you can really piss off coyotes. Gotcha. Um, the mothers, the the dads, the, the, the satellite females, the satellite males, like, you can get groups coming in to fight yeah. in the summertime. The only thing that sucks about summer is it's also summer. So you're yeah. dealing with ticks and tall grass and yeah. Uh, but so it's a territorial I, thing. Yeah. Like if, if it, when, when they think there's something going on with their pups, they, they are susceptible to getting called and not just one, like lots of them. multiple coyotes just yeah. running in. Yeah. And then honestly, Breeding season is also the other time, which is kind of ending right now. Today's March 3rd or something. Um, breeding season, you know, January, February-ish. Mm-hmm. Um, they're they're more callable because, well, just like deer season, sometimes the males get stupid. Females are also looking for mates. Mm-hmm. Um, we called one in last week, a single male, and he was 600 yards away. And all I did was a really faint female invitation and he just came running. Yeah. So, um, during breeding season, they can also, you know, be a little dumber. So I would say like January, February, and then late May, June. Okay. Um, because the pups are still really young and the grass isn't crazy tall. Sometimes you can, you can get in there. It's not terribly hot. Yeah. Is a lot of fun. Um, they're just hard and you know, just nastier in the summertime. I mean, their coats are so gross in yeah. the summer. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, okay. So we've talked a little bit about the learning curve. We talked about the best times to hunt them. Uh, now we've got to start getting into the gun. Now you said the barrier entry is fairly simple and, and any gun might do, but your gun looks like something out of call of duty. So your rifle does. So um, talk to us about what the best option. I mean, can you get away with a multi-purpose gun that you all already use for deer hunting? Talk to us about the best type of uh, rifle or gun to use for coyote hunting. Yeah, and there's there's a, several ways to go about it. Like you just said, yeah, I've got one. One of my rifles is one that I also use for deer hunting. 
Um, so for the person that, you know, doesn't have the money to maybe do more than one or even not that they don't have the money, they don't want to dick around with more than one rifle. Right. It'd make more sense to get a rifle that you could use for both deer hunting and coyote hunting. Right. So that are, that's going to be calibers like the 243. Um, I've got a six arc, which I'm using for both rifle or coyote and deer. Um, if I use it during deer season, uh, so that'd be like the 243, the six arc, six, five Creed more, you know, calibers like that, that you can get uh higher grain, you know, bullets. Yep. And then, then you, if you want to just hunt coyotes, there's, there's rounds like the, you know, the classic 223 round, mm-hmm. um, the 22, 250, which is what I run. Um, big fan of that one. Um, there's all kinds of like cal- coyote specific calibers out there that would take forever to kind of list them. But, right, right. you know, honestly, there's a lot of people out there with ARs that are 223. You can use those to kill coyotes. They're not the best in my opinion, but um, they'll do the job if you shoot right. Yeah. What about uh, like slug guns, like uh, a shotgun or, or buckshot? Are those legal? Some places they are, and there are people that shotgun hunt coyotes. Okay. Um, I have never done it. I think it would be fun as hell because that means you got a coyote right on top of you. Close. Yeah. 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 Um, so, uh, yes, you can. I just haven't done it. Gotcha. And so when it comes to range, obviously a, a rifle is going to be better than a shotgun as you know, as far as reaching out is concerned. But talk to us about an expected shot distance uh, in, in coyote hunting. Well, like, so where we are, you're going to set up. I mean, we set up so that we can have a coyote anywhere between 50 and let's say 200 yards. Like that's mm-hmm. what we would prefer them to be in that range somewhere in there. Yeah. If we have a coyote at 20 yards, well, that's cool. But something went weird. Something mm-hmm. went off for that coyote to be so close to us. Um, and honestly, where we are in Missouri, you're not going to get much more than a 300 yard shot out here. Mm-hmm. Um, just because we have, you know, rolling hills, haulers, timber, um, so three, you know, I mean, you can get some longer shots, but let's just say 300 and in. Yeah. But if when I'm on a set, I would like to see the coyote inside 200 yards. Right. Between 50 and 200. That's where I'd like to see them. Yeah. Um, be, why? Well, I think it's obvious, right? The closer they are, the better you're going to shoot. Um, I practice further, but I guarantee you I'm a better shot at 100 yards than I am at 400 because – why wouldn't I be? Yeah. Right. It's, it's like saying you're a better shot with your bow at 85 yards than you are at 15. Yeah. Really? Yeah. That's not true. And yeah. if you, if that is true, you've sucked somewhere. Like you got to fix something. Right. Um, so I would prefer to have them a little closer because I know I'm going to put that right where it needs to be. Right. At 400 yards. I have done it. I know what my calculations are when it comes to math and I know what my holdover is, or I know what my, um, uh, you know, my MOA is, but it's still not a, you know, a chip shot. So right. I don't want to shoot a coyote at 400. I want to shoot a coyote inside too. Gotcha. So when it comes to, uh, when it comes to a, a shot, right, are we, are we aiming for the vitals like right behind the shoulder or are, is predator hunting more of a, Hey man, just get a bullet in them. So I used to, I used to aim right behind the shoulder, just right. like you would a deer, right? Yeah. With a coyote, I've started aiming on the shoulder. Yeah. And there's a reason for that. So you aim aim behind the shoulder, you're probably, if you hit there, you're going to kill them. Yeah. But there's a decent chance that they might run. Yeah. And a coyote that you don't find doesn't do you any, especially if you're doing a tournament, then right. you didn't do anything. So what I want to do is I want to break that coyote down. I want to get rid of its landing gear, get rid of every possibility of it moving from the spot I shot it. Gotcha. And with, you know, with the bullets I'm shooting, if I, if I aim on shoulder, I'm not only going to break that coyote down, I'm also going to kill it on impact with the hydro shock. And then the bullet's going to penetrate through bone and and mess everything up. It's still, it still typically passes all the way through. Right. Um, Sometimes if you shoot them just through, let's say the vitals and you just go meat through meat, they don't even know what hit them for 80 yards and they're fast Yeah, and they're just gone. And you don't even know where they, you know, went to sometimes. Right. And I don't want to make a habit of tracking coyotes 
the last thing I want to do is find a pissed off coyote that's not dead. Right. Yeah, that makes you sense. Know? Yeah. So what about headshots? Is that an ethical shot for a predator hunt? Um, if you feel like you can make the shot, sure. Uh, I mean, I've shot a coyote in the head before because that was the only shot it gave me. Yeah. But I knew that I could do it. Yeah. Um, you know, would I take a shot at 300 yards at a coyote on the head? No, because I don't think I'm – that's a difficult shot to make. Yeah. At 50 yards when they're just standing there looking and, you know, they, they're presenting it and that's the only shot they give you. If, if they give me a chest, I'm going to, I'm going to move my scope down to the chest and shoot on the chest, not the head. Yeah. Um, but I've, I've shot coyotes in the head before. I mean, it's effective, but, um, would I shoot a deer in the head? Probably not. Yeah. So it's, I guess it could be, I'm being a little bit hypocritical, hypocritical in that situation. Um, but, uh, if they give me an easy enough shot, I'll, I'll take it. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. And so then what, so we've talked about the guns. Um, is there a specific scope or do you need a scope? Uh, you, you've mentioned thermals. Do you need thermals? <laughs> so no, you don't need thermals, but, uh, <laughs> thermals are fun as hell. Yeah. Um, the, the problem with thermals are they are so expensive Yeah. and in Missouri you get two months and a, a decent thermal cost a couple thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so no, you don't need thermals now during the daytime. Yeah. You should, you would need a scope. Yeah. Um, once again, you can get by with the cheapest scope out there. Um, I mean, you can go buy a scope for a couple hundred bucks and, and a gun for a couple hundred bucks for that matter and, and be ready to hunt. Obviously, in my opinion, with scopes, uh, with glass, you do get what you pay for sometimes. So, um, you know, I prefer a little nicer scope now just because it makes things easier for me. Right. Um, but yeah, you, you should, you'll need a scope. And a basic three by nine scope would do you mm-hmm. if that's all you had. Um, it wouldn't be any problem. Gotcha. And a basic gun would do you if that's all you had. Yeah. And then, hey, I like this. You get into it. You go buy a cheap collar. You have a cheap gun, some a cheap piece of uh, glass on it. You get into it. You decide, ooh, I really like this. And just like any other hobby, you're going to start upgrading at that point probably. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's more expensive calls out there. There's more expensive guns. There's more expensive uh, glass. There's tripods, bipods, um, different packs. Just, I mean, all kinds of stuff, just like any other type of hunting. Right. You know, it can be just as expensive. <laughs> so. Yeah. So kind of winding down the podcast here, why, why do you, why does Nate Thomas like coyote hunting so much? Uh, for several reasons. It's, like I said earlier, so totally different from whitetail hunting. It gives me a different rush that I'm, I'm I guess I'm seeking. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy hunting a coyote because, and this is probably going to be a different answer than a lot of people would give you. I respect the hell out of that animal. Yeah. If you think about a coyote, they are the most successful predator in North America, bar none. Mm-hmm. They can live anywhere. They can deal with anything you throw at them. And it doesn't matter. It just doesn't seem like it matters what you do to them. They keep coming Mm -hmm. and you got to respect that. So I respect that animal. I have a certain love for coyotes that, you know, kind of is similar to my love for deer. Not really the same, but you know, I I do enjoy the animal. I do think they're beautiful. Some of them can be really ugly, but most of them are are really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um, And at the same time, my, my, my first love is deer hunting and, I know you don't feel like you're making much of a dent, but the the study I read for every coyote kills on average about 19 fawns at some point. A year? So uh, I have to, it was a picture I saw a couple of weeks ago, um, and I don't know if it's a year or not, but. That's a, so I can't that's really... a lot of fawns for one, one coyote yeah, to kill. I should have I should have had that saved before I got on with you, but yeah. I don't know if it's over its lifetime or a year. Yeah. Yeah. I don't care, right? Right. So if I can kill three coyotes off of a farm, did that hurt the deer? No. 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 <laughs> it couldn't have done anything but help. Right. So um at the same time, by killing coyotes, I feel like I'm helping my deer, my turkey, uh, other animals that are not predators. 
Right. Um, so I do it for a multitude of reasons. It's a, a nice time passing. It's a big rush. I respect the hell out of the animal, and I feel like I'm helping other animals I love at the same time. If you were walking around the woods and a coyote pup popped out and it was like, and it started whining, would you pick it up and take it home and, and treat it as a pet? No. <laughs> good answer. Not a chance. Okay, good. Not a freaking chance. Good, good. First off, because, you know, that's a wild animal. Do you realize what it would do to your house? <laughs> uh, I'm sure people have done it. Um, I'd be more likely to kill it than I would... Uh, uh, take it home. Right. It's al- it's that. it's almost it's almost like that one uh that one blind lady who put up the the little poster that's like, "Hey, is anybody missing a uh, a white cat?" And <laughs> it's a picture of a possum and it and it's like, "Is anybody missing a white cat?" It's pretty angry all the time. <laughs> yeah, that's because it's a possum lady. That, yeah. yeah, exactly. I can only imagine. I'm sure people have done it before and there's somebody probably yelling at their uh, speakers right now. Oh, it's the best dog I ever had. I don't care. <laughs> nasty, nasty bastards. You know. Yeah. Uh, I will say they're they're a nasty animal. Yeah. Um, I've seen some of the stuff they eat, and it's just like, oh my god. Yeah. Right. Well, especially when they're, they're so good. when their favorite thing to do is start at the butthole of an animal and then eat it yeah. forward. Hmm. Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe not. So, uh, I had somebody ask me, and I'm gonna, I'll probably get scolded on this one too. I had somebody ask me, "Do you eat the coyotes?" Yeah, and I said no. Yeah. And they're like, "Well, that dude, that's that's red meat, you know." You, I'm mm-hmm. like, dude, you could not pay me enough money to eat a coyote. Yeah, couldn't do it. I see what they eat. I see what they do. Um, I will never eat a coyote. And if you know, if there's a new law that gets passed that says you have to eat the meat off of a coyote that you kill. Uh, I'll stop coyote hunting. So you're, you're never going to get me to eat a coyote. There's certain things I won't do. And that's one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, real, real quick. Uh, do you, do you skin out the coyotes and tan the fur for market or anything like that? Yeah. And it just depends like down here, the, the, the hides aren't great. Mm-hmm. Um, because we're, it, it stays warmer down here, you know, like a coyote up in North Dakota, they have beautiful fur. Mm-hmm. They're worth a lot. Coyote in Texas, coyote in Arkansas, coyote in Missouri, not really that great. Yeah. Um, okay. So during the wintertime, if we get one that is, is got a nice pelt on it that isn't mangy, um, we will usually give it to a buddy of ours that's a trapper or get it tanned, but not to sell because honestly, they're worth like 15 bucks. Yeah. Okay. It's usually just getting it tanned just to display because, you know, it had a nice hide on it. And, We'll, we'll skin it and, and get it tanned, but most of them, man, they're just, they're either mangy or yeah. not nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. Here's your sales pitch to anybody who's listening uh, right now who found what you said, have said today, you know, interesting. Why don't you go get ahead and give your sales pitch of why someone should try coyote hunting or predator hunting in general? Why the hell not guys? It's, it's cheap to get started. Like I just said earlier, all you need is a rifle and a call. Yeah. And even if you don't have a call, if you have like an elk call or, or a little rabbit call, you can use that. Mm-hmm. Then it's even cheaper. Um, it's decently, it's getting harder, but it's, it's historically easier to find coyote hunting property than it is yeah. deer hunting property. So knock on a few doors and ask you if you can kill some coyotes and you're probably going to get some yeses. Yeah. And you can go give it a shot. And it's something to do in the wintertime when you're not doing anything else. So have at it. That's, yeah. that's what I think. I would think if you're a serious land manager who does not coyote hunt, I, I, w- I would think letting a couple coyote guys come on your farm every year would just be a huge benefit. Uh, I, I do. I do too. Cause we have hunted farms where farmers have called us and said, I have a huge problem. Come yeah. help. And yeah. that's because nobody's been out there hunting mm-hmm. and, all of a sudden they've got 15 coyotes within, you know, 200 acres and 15 coyotes will really cause problems. And even with cows and, you know, all kinds of stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Coyotes, coyotes are indiscriminate killers, man. They walk by a fawn in the, in the field. They're going to kill it. They walk by a baby calf that it doesn't have a mama around. They're going to kill it. Yeah. They, they don't care what they don't specifically hunt anything. They just kill what, they can eat the most convenience for them. Yeah. So they can, uh, they can cause problems. 
Cool. Well, Nate, man, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on and, and BS with us a little bit about uh, coyote hunting. If Is there a resource out there that you would send people to that may help them get better educated on coyote hunting or, or predator hunting? Yeah, our podcast. There you go. Was that, is that, no, I mean, if, there if, are some. Do you, you, I, know, I know for a fact you guys put out a lot of coyote hunting content, and if that's where you you feel is going to educate these people then yeah promote it there are some there are some podcasts like ours missouri woods and water we we do a lot of coyote content there's some other really good podcasts out there um on on coyote hunting coyote hunting doesn't have that much of a uh podcast Space. following i yep. guess you'd say it right yeah so right yet yeah 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 Fox Pro has a good show um, with John Collins. Uh, there's Eastman's Predator Pros. That's another uh, coyote hunting podcast. Um, that's the only two I can think off, off the top of my head. Gotcha. And then, like I said, we do quite a uh, quite a bit of coyote content. And then on on YouTube, there's uh, Fox Pro has a uh, a YouTube channel where they do a lot of hunting. Um, you know, if you just YouTube coyote hunting, there's there's some people that do stuff on on film, mm-hmm. and it'll help you learn quite a bit because. If you pay attention, when you hear the coyote coming in, you can hear the call that they're using. So yeah. you can say, okay, I'm going to start trying to use this mm-hmm. or whatever. Because mm-hmm. um, there's different times of years for different t- things help work better at times. So yeah. um, it's just a learning curve, just like any other sport that you get into. Uh, don't take it too seriously. Have fun. And you're going to enjoy it. I, I, I can promise. It's, yeah. it's that fun to me. Awesome. Well, thanks, Nate, man. I really appreciate it. Hey, no problem, buddy. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Nate. Huge shout out to all of you. I really, really do appreciate it. If you like the content that's coming out of the Nine Finger Chronicles camp, there's only really one way for me to grow. And that is through word of mouth uh, because Instagram and Facebook, all these other places have banned me. And so I would really appreciate it if you would take time out of your day to let your friends, your other hunting buddies know, any other type of hunting community that you're in about the Sportsman's Empire and the Nine Finger Chronicles. And just let them know that if you're looking for uh, some really good content from a passionate outdoorsman, this is the podcast for you. So huge shout out to all of you for taking time out of your day. Huge shout out to Tethered, Wasp, Hunt Stand, and Vortex, and all of the other network partners that uh, participate on this on this uh, hopefully we got some new guys coming on board earlier uh, or early in this summer and i can share that information with you but uh, let's be good to one another let's stay positive and uh, if we're going to be in a tree man let's wear our safety harness